The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk Radio Show. It is Friday morning, our first full week on the air of four days a week. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasser in studio. We got a lot to run through today. Um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with the Rinchy Incognito story really, really quickly. We'll go over because some th- more things have come out. We'll touch on the two big games in college football last night: Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oregon, Stanford. And we'll finally start talking about a little NBA. Six or seven games have been played through, through the season so far, so uh, there are some storylines there that that weren't there in the beginning of the season. So, um, Kwame. Uh, Jonathan Martin's lawyer came out this morning and brought the attention that he had been harassed by more than just Richie Incognito. All of these things have transpired. There were there were words spoken about his sister, about his mom, you know, things like this. That <sighs> my whole point about this is the f- when the first the story came out, Richie Incognito was the bad guy, and then the next day Jonathan Martin was looked at as the bad guy, and now they both look like bad guys. So I feel like this might be the best marketing ploy ever. For the Dolphins, or people really don't know what went on, and now they're just trying to guess. So what do you think is going to be the end game here? If, I, if I'm the lawyer of either one of those guys, if I have to represent them, I have to make the other one look like he was just a monster. And, that, and that's what you do. When you get into court, you already want to have a perception of this guy is such a great guy or this guy is such a bad guy. Uh, the end game, I think, is going to come down as far as the coaches. The coaches, and I, and I said it before, we've heard so much about it on both sides. We haven't heard from Incognito uh, since he came out because I, I think he's starting to feel like he's been betrayed by the coaches. If what is said was true as far as the coaches saying, you toughen that guy up. You go do what you do. And I use the word that's been going around as far as the cold red. You go do what you have to do to make this guy tough. I, I don't believe for one second – that any coach will let his one of his top positions, uh, left tackle position to protect the quarterback, miss two days of involuntary camp. Because it, whether we want to say involuntary, voluntary, that's a great chance for camaraderie to be built. That's a great ch- unless there's an emergency in somebody's family. That's a great chance for teams to come together. So I have to know. I have to believe that uh, the coaches have something information that they're not. Getting out there, yeah, and, and they'll find out soon because the investigation is now going to be in full force. So everything will come out that's being hidden up to this point. And to your point, second-year player, you're trying to make a name for yourself. You, you have the mo- you have the most important position on the offensive line. There had to have been a real reason, like a, a serious reason that the coaches had to have known. You're not just going to let somebody go without finding them at least, right? Right, you second year guy. That position wasn't yours last year. That position was uh was it uh, Long's? Uh, and Long went to I want to believe St. Louis. Uh, so that's a great opportunity to come in and and solidify or get a uh, get a 
camaraderie with the guard who's next to beside you, who's beside you, who was Richie Incognito, uh, a, a center, and that's the closest knit group on that team. And I'm talking offensive linemen because these guys have to look like one person all the time. You know, you got four DBs or five DBs at a time, but we do we we can disguise all we want to, but offensive linemen have to look like one single person. Yeah, and you could say that they play they play the most important defensive role uh, on the on the football team protecting the quarterback. So I mean, it, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I was looking down his rap sheet; eight or nine things stood out. Eight or nine incidences that happened to him uh, since 2003 in Nebraska. Suspended by Nebraska coach, spring 2003. Convicted of misdemeanor assault charge, 2004. Suspended indefinitely by Nebraska coach Callahan for repeated violations of team, September 2004. Transferred to to Oregon. Dismissed from Oregon football program after transferring to school in September. So a month in Oregon, dismissed. Voted NFL's dirtiest player, 2009. Released by Rams two days after being penalized twice for personal fouls and getting in a fight with Coach Steve Spagnola, 2009. Over and over and over and over again. Like, this is, this is the Adamic and Sue factor where you're guilty until proven innocent because of your history, not because you're a dirty player. You, you can overlook the dirty. It's the off-the-field stuff and the stuff that you deal with with your coaches and your teammates that is going to be stacked against you at this point. And to your opening statement, if i got to represent uh, Jonathan Martin, this stuff is coming out. Oh, this is, yeah. and, and this is something everybody always, everyone knows. Uh, this is information you can go out there and get. You can internet this, go out and get that, this information. But... It's, it is a trend. It is a, a pattern in what this guy, how this go, guy uh, incognito goes about his business. Uh, and, and it's not, it, it's one thing to be tough, but to be dirty on top of that. You don't have to be dirty. If you're a tough football player, then all you have to do is be smart now. Because mm-hmm. you, you have that DNA in you. You don't have to be dirty. Because everyone respects a guy who plays football uh, aggressive, hard, and to the best of his ability. And then if you, if you get beat, you get beat. But that guy knows you was going hard. Absolutely. And I think I can't help but think that the Miami Dolphins that were interviewed about you know whose side they take and whatnot, and if they felt that Martin betrayed them, I feel like that they erred on the side of caution and said didn't side with Jonathan Stewart, uh, Jonathan Stewart, Jonathan Martin, because they didn't want to look like a tattletale either. They didn't want to look like they're dismissing themselves from the team either. Yeah. So, you know, the power in numbers and you stick with the team and you, you say the things that are least controversial at this point. Well, they didn't, they want to, they didn't want to put themselves in a position, as you, as you was uh, stating, that we told Richie to go do this. It, it came, it was a little shocking to me when they had, when they orchestrated three press conferences and all of them seemed to be leading towards the Dolphins' hands are clean in this matter, uh, but we'll get to the bottom of it. And then the coach come up, comes out and talk about two miles away that his kids go to school. I don't, I don't care about your kids. Uh, <laughs> tell me what's going on with the football team. I'm not interviewing you about your kids, and although that can play a huge part into his character. But I, if, I feel like he's this is first year, second year, losing its losing his team already into an adverse situation. And that's when a lot of guys, a lot of people get defined. Once they go through an adverse situation, how they come out of it, how they handle it, uh, that's how they get defined, really. Absolutely. And uh, just across the wire, the majority of 72 players surveyed by ESPN.com wouldn't want Dolphins' Richie Incognito on their team. So if you're... Anonymous, it's a little bit easier to say what you really think as opposed to getting if you're anonymous, in your face. You're a coward. Well, but this survey, what I would assume would be anonymous. I don't know if the names yeah. would ever come out. 
Okay, that's enough. We, we've talked about that enough this week. But they do have a game to play on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay, who's, uh, who's, uh, who has the numbers as far as a two-point. Uh, Tampa by two Which points, I, not, not touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> this will define their season. If they lose to the 0-8 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though it's on the road, it's, this will define their season. I think Miami have a, has a better team, but remember Tampa was leading uh, Tampa 0-8. Six of those games, they, were, they had to lead. I think they were up 24-3 at halftime or 21-3 against Seattle last week. Yeah, but six of those games, are the eight, they, obviously they had some talent. Every team in the league has some talent. It's a matter of putting that talent together and consistently doing it, uh, having some discipline not to take penalties when uh, not necessary. Uh, but they were they led six of those games, six of those eight games. They, they had to lead. They just found a way to lose them. Yeah, and week one was the unnecessary roughness push out of bounds on on Geno Smith. Some knee and the balls. Yeah, and uh, Nick Falk hit that hit the kick to win. All right, uh, let's talk about another uh, meddling team in the NFL. The Washington Redskins lose to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you weren't expecting this, right? I mean, this is when last year Minis- uh, Washington turned it on. And they ended up making the playoffs. They won out. And after Mike Shanahan's big speech about how let's get ready for next year and we're not going to compete this year, they go on a huge run and, and make the playoffs. Right. Uh, what's going on? Well, for, for a coach to say this, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to get ready for it next year. It worked last year when he said it. Yeah. So. I, I don't know if that's a, a motivational ploy, but you put that out. You, you couldn't lose in that situation if you was Mike Shanahan. You say, okay, well, we didn't make the playoffs. I already told you. We were three and six, nine games into it, that we were just getting ready for next year. So the team goes on a run. RG3, uh, arguably the best quarterback, most explosive that year during that, during that, last during that time. Season? Yes. Yeah. Um, playing off raw ability, playing off the coaching staff, did, had a situation where they put him in the right uh, places to make plays, as well as his teammates. Uh, we didn't say he had an, a nice receiver core. We thought they'd go out and get that for him. Um, I don't think they're running the ball as much as they should uh, with Alfred Morris, who was a star last year. Uh, why wouldn't you do that? Your quarterback's coming off a, a serious injury. If I'm the uh, GM, I, I don't know why I, I keep Mike Shanahan um, next year. Mike Shanahan is... Or his son. His son got to go with him. Mike Shanahan might be a top three luckiest coach ever in the NFL. He yep. had... He had one of the one of the best quarter and I, you could put Bill Belichick in here because he was awful until he went to New England with with Tom Brady with the Drew Bledsoe injury. Well, he put his time into it. He sure, was going to different places and sure. under these different parcels type coaches. Yeah, and I, with with Denver with John Elway, those were special years, and he's ridden that. He he hasn't been relevant besides last year. He hasn't been relevant as a coach in a long time. So, with adversity being thrown in your face, you see who the good coaches are. You know, and it'll see. And I always look at Andy Reid. You know, they start. They've started off really hot. Yeah. Yes. When you lose two games in a row, then what happens? When you get to the playoffs, say you go fifteen and one, and you get to the playoffs, then what happens? You got to get that scene. So, I think it comes down to coaching too, because you have talent to get you to that point, and the good ones will get you through right. through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, but I, I didn't see. Um, I, I don't know. Donovan tried to pull a. Um, this information out on Andy Reid and his son, mostly his son anyway, a long time ago, but nobody wants to listen. They just thought he was just a disgruntled quarterback who got traded within the division. Um, but he, he said those guys weren't doing the right things over there. And you can, you can go either way with that as far as a player to coach, coaching mm-hmm, players, sure. um, and then you choose to pick sides on which, which one. But now we're seeing things as far as RG3 
in his press conference sounds like a robot. He, he, I just don't. I want to as much as I liked him when he came out, um, and I thought him going number two to Washington and Andrew Luck going one. I thought it was perfect. I thought they went exactly to where they were supposed to go uh, to be successful, so they can be relevant in fifteen years. He's he's. He's taking too much of the blame. He's trying to be too much of a nice guy. He's trying to say, well, if this team going to win, it's going to be on me. Well, you got 10 other guys on that field with you that get paid a lot of money. You have a skill set where you handle the ball every time you're out there. It, all the wins are not going to be on you. You're going to have to do something as far as coaching staff and management. I'm going to have to find me a receiver. I got a running back. I had two, maybe three of them, which I, can, which I could do by committee. We don't, they don't run the football. Yeah, well, last night they made a point too, and I think but they stopped. Well, uh, Alfred Morris twenty six for one thirty nine, but it wasn't. Uh, that I was think, in the first half, right? Yeah, well, a yeah. lot of it was. Mm-hmm. I think that the run game that is lacking again is RG threes, which keeps the defense off balance. Alfred Morris is having a great year again. You know, uh, he had a couple off games in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. but he's he's actually cementing himself as as a, as a great back, maybe a top ten back in the NFL. RG three numbers are there. The running the running numbers the running yards are obviously uh, lower this year, but he doesn't have that Andrew Luck ability to win close games. Like he has, Andrew Luck has that in him. Where you want him to have the ball at the end of a game, you don't know what RG. He's won close games before, mm-hmm. but he hasn't cemented himself as an Andrew Luck yet. The honeymoon phase is so easy to, to love get over. people. Well, yeah, it's you forget about people after the first year being a rookie. <laughs> you know, now okay, now you weren't expected to do anything. You you had better numbers than anybody would have expected last year, but now it's time. Now you're a man. Now you're in the NFL, and now you're going to be held accountable. I tell you, I tell you, uh, one of the things noticeably for me, because I try to look deeper into it, uh, RG three and Andrew Luck have in common. Well, they put their teams in a situation where they had to come back from ball games. Now, they are young guys. Point. They are young guys, but Andrew Luck is able to do it. He's able to come back and win these games. So when you say comeback, and I, and I mentioned this before, I don't put too much on the quarterback had this many comebacks. But the quarterback was the reason. Some of the some of the times, the quarterback's the reason why you have to come back. I've been on teams where that happens. Um, but Andrew Luck is a guy who's able to come back. I would say with RG, RG3, he's taken, unlike Andrew Luck, RG3 is taking too many hits as a quarterback. Yeah, you would think he was a running back or a receiver. He had taken these pounding hits, and for 16, 17 weeks, you're not going to be able to do that as a quarterback because you right. don't get hit in practice, so your body's not hard enough to do that. That's right. why we see quarterbacks go down off a hit that guys make all the time. Running quarterbacks especially. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Washington moving forward. I think they'll be fine. Pierre Garçon, has, if he's healthy, he's he's the number one receiver, and Jordan Reed is, is might win rookie of the year as their tight end, who's a great tight end. He's he's that this hybrid tight end that's that's like Jimmy Graham and and Aaron Hernandez. I guess we can talk about him now. Um, Antonio Gates obviously paved the way for everybody. Tony Gonzalez, well, but, Gonzalez and those yeah. guys. Hey, we we can even go back to uh, San Diego time with the Chandler, West Chandler, and all those guys. Yeah, and I I think that Shannon Sharp kind of was like that, but he was bigger. Like, he was more of a Gronk body. He still had some speed. They flexed Shannon Sharp out, which made him dangerous. When you put him on that line, he turns to a blocker, and he can block. Oh, yeah. Well, he He's a big from, boy. He got that from his brother, Sterling. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk about the college football uh, games last night, and we'll move into some NBA as well. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Suck. Alex Clancy, Kwame in studio. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter in studio. Not sure where Kwame went, but uh, it's just me for right now. Uh, we're going to talk about college football that happened last night. Number six Baylor Bears beat the number 10 Oklahoma Sooners 41 to 12. The over-under on this game was 75 points. So that is all centralized on Baylor and their intense offense, uh, offensive prowess this year so far. Uh, you know, the game really didn't start until the second quarter. It was 5-3 Oklahoma midway through the second quarter, and then Baylor woke up. Uh, Oklahoma missed a field goal with 8 minutes and 15 seconds left, a 48-yarder, and then in a minute, 5 seconds, Baylor comes down and scores a touchdown. They scored two more touchdowns before the half. So three touchdowns within eight minutes and 16 seconds left in the second quarter. And then it was pretty much over. You know, once the Baylor offense turns on, there's really no stopping it. And it'll be interesting to see, with Ohio State having a bye this week, if Baylor and Stanford will jump Ohio State with Stanford beating Oregon. So BCS-wise, Kwame, do you think that having a bye this late, like, would you want to have a bye week three? So you, all of your games matter towards the end, so you don't get skipped just because you don't play a game a specific week towards the end? That's a good question, also a tough one. Um, when you got a team that's on a roll, you want to stay on that roll. You don't want to break up uh, any success you have. But if it, on the other end of things, you want to break up of, uh, not getting together or, or losses back-to-back. You want to break that, break that up with a bye and try to regroup and come. The teams we're talking about are winning football teams. They are winning. Ohio State haven't lost since what a year, two years, yeah, two years. But who have they? I mean, again, the question yeah. is who have they played? But I still got to say, Big Ten. It's Big Ten football, which with all these super conferences breaking that up. So again, you, who are they playing now? Where are these players going to get in a certain conference? Baylor can be penalized for the conference they in. They are. They are. 
if you know you can talk about Baylor and Oregon as the high scoring teams in the, in the country. But uh, I would rather have about to answer your question. I, I would rather. You know, get that by going into late in the season. You would. So, so you would take the chance on teams ranked lower than you beating teams yeah. higher higher than you and getting dropped just because you didn't have well, a game. Well, you mentioned you mentioned this the other day about because I said something about a team get being pushed back, and you say because they had a bye. I think they should stay in place until somebody beats them. If you got because the rankings is now all perception. It's all about uh, how what I see. My it's the eye test. <clears throat> if I see Florida State and they looks good and they look good, and Ohio State had a bye, well Ohio State is still number two or three. Just because Florida State look good, then I put Florida State underneath them. If no one else lose, that's why I'm not a huge thing uh, fan of these rankings. I like when the rankings come out six weeks before after the season started. That's good because now you can uh, suffer through the uh, soot and all and see what these teams are six weeks into the season. But the um, the playoffs is what's going to define who's have the better team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and Baylor, yes, their division is a little weaker, but they're putting up Boise State numbers when Kellen Clemens was there. I mean, it doesn't matter if you beat every team by fifty or forty. Right, your your shoulders and above, head and shoulders above everybody else in your division. So that shows that you're a stronger team and not just that you're. And I don't think the kids opponents. should be punished for that. No, and and I think every point that you score. In college football season matters with the BCS, yeah. so you need to run that up Steve Steve Spurrier status as much as you can. And Baylor, I'm sure, will move to you know whatever. I'm sure they'll move to the SEC at some point or the Pac-12 when when the Big Twelve and Big Ten. Well, I think the Big Twelve will be dispersed. First. Baylor is a Pac-12 team. I think they should, they come out west. They play these teams out west. I think that would be great for them. Yeah, or you could put another high-powered offense in the SEC and just mess everything up. Yeah. So I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that? But Baylor did. Crush Oklahoma, number 10 in the country. Bryce Petty, 249 yards, five total touchdowns. I don't know why he's not in the Heisman conversation yet. Maybe it's because of the division, the conference he's in. There was some talk last week about, about him being in the Heisman. But, again, I'm not sure why he's not a top three guy. It's all famous Jameis. It's all the, it's all the red shirt freshmen. That's, that's the thing now because well, Johnny Manziel won it last year. So that's the thing. The younger you are, the more allure you have if, if you have a number two team in the country, especially. Not to change subjects so quick, but they're talking about giving Johnny Manziel the highest Heisman again. Yeah, and the, yeah, but he, they, he shouldn't have won it last year. But this is how they justify it. They said, well, when Tim Tebow won the Heisman, he lost three games. I, I don't care if he lost three games. The Heisman supposed to go to the best player in college football. Yeah, and they're talking about A.J. McCarron, and if A.J. McCarron were to win it, it would be like the Lifetime Achievement Award if they win the national championship right. this year. That's three championships for him. And no Heisman. And no Heisman, because he doesn't do anything special. He does everything good. He doesn't do anything exemplary well, but it, he he's the best game manager in college football. And in my book, that counts from the quarterback position. You don't lose games for me because um, you, you use all the weaponry around you, and then you have a defense and a defensive-minded coach and head coach might I add, that's going to keep you in ball games. And I think that A.J. McCarron should get drafted by Pittsburgh. I think it'd be a perfect, he's a perfect, a perfect uh, number two to Ben Roethlisberger when Roethlisberger retires. In two years. And, and it'll be, I think that he's perfect for that setup. Run the ball, play defense, have a game manager as a quarterback. I, I, don't see, I don't see that as a bad pick for Pittsburgh Steelers. And it'll just be interesting if he can withstand the hits, the NFL hits, because he's he's not a big guy. Yeah, but, but he, I mean, he, he's elusive in the pocket, and he's he's Drew Breesy elusive. He steps up. He's not afraid to take the contact, and he makes good throws and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. We're playing in the SEC. Um, most of those guys are quarterback ready, um, and going to a, a, a program like the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers, 
Uh, I think they protect him as much as they can, but he's he's going to have to take some hits where he's going to find out. And that, and now all I can t- and, and that's any rookie. And that's going to take place probably in camp. That yeah. take place in camp, but he'll learn the NFL game very quickly, and he's he's close to it now. He's playing in a pro style offense, right? He's close to it right now. And but uh, but Baylor Baylor outstanding. You know they. It's not that they woke up. It's just we are Baylor. We we do put up these numbers. Let's put up these numbers and win this game. We're not playing against the old Oklahoma teams that used to dominate the uh, Big Eight, Big Twelve. We we playing against this team this year. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And. Stanford was ranked fifth in the BCS, and Baylor was sixth. Ohio State four on a bye. Those teams both had high-quality wins. I think they both leapfrog them. I think Oregon drops to, you know, eight. Ohio State might stay at four. Baylor moves up to five just because they're in the Big 12. But I think Stanford will be number three no matter what. If not, and and Alabama's got LSU this week. One week every year, all the good teams lose. Let me get to the rankings. You said uh, Baylor, uh, Stanford jumps up to number three. No, I'm saying six. on, on Monday. I, oh. I, I believe that that's what, or Sunday when the rankings come out. I believe that that's what. So do you have Alabama? If Alabama plays LSU, if Alabama loses to LSU, which I don't think they will, but there's a chance that they will. Yeah, because they know because they're other. playing the game. So, right. uh, and and that's a different rivalry. So. If Alabama wins, Florida State wins because they're playing Wake Forest, so so they'll win by thirty or forty. Florida uh, State jumps up to number two. Oregon, Ohio State has to go to number three. But you saying Stanford can easily go to number Stanford three? I think Stanford and or Baylor will jump Ohio State, and I think Stanford will go to number three, and Baylor will be number five because they're Baylor and not Ohio State. They don't have the pedigree and the history that Ohio State does. Here, but you know that history you talk about. Um, here's why I didn't like Ohio State when it was winning championships or even playing for them. Because they didn't play a conference championship game, they set they played ten games or eleven games a year, and they sat around for close to a month while teams were still banging SEC, uh, Pac twelve. Well, well, the Pac ten didn't have a, a conference championship game until a couple Pac- of years ago, right? But they but then Oregon would play a school um, after sitting around for a week that was been playing football, right. and, and you can look at it both ways. I'm still in my football mentality, my football or rhythm. I'm beat up, yeah, but I'm beat up. They got a chance to schools like Ohio State who don't who don't play a game or a conference championship game sit around and get healthy. Oh, it'll be so interesting. So let's talk about Stanford, Oregon. This game is was so much more spread out than the score would indicate. Seemed like Oregon took about three quarters off. Uh, Stanford wins twenty six to twenty. There was a little trickery at the end of the game. Onside kick, recovered, touchdown. You know, block field goal, return for a touchdown. That's what got Oregon close. There are two big things that stood out to me here. Number one, Tyler Gaffney's a stud. Yes. The running back for, he's a workhorse. He ran, he carried the ball for over 40 times. Young guy. He's a stud. He has a nose for the end zone. He has a nose for the first down line. And he manhandled them when he needed to. He ran over the defensive linemen, linebackers when he needed to. They they have great blocking schemes there, so that helps. They have big offensive linemen, Jonathan Martin. And uh, they executed their NFL-style game plan to a T. They kept probably the one, you know, top two or three most potent offenses scoreless through three quarters, three, two and a half quarters. So that kudos to them. Number one, number two, a stat that I that I heard during the game was they were number one in the country with the least amount of negative plays from scrimmage. 
So if you don't get sacked as much, if you don't get uh, tackles for tackled for losses as much, you're always moving forward when you're on offense, which is a huge, huge thing, especially in this offense. It's not the most potent, not the most vertical in in college football, but they're a well-oiled machine and they get the job done. If they wouldn't have lost to Utah in in week seven, they would be number two right now. And that's why I can't put them at number three, uh, even though Ohio State has a bye because that Utah loss. And we make we make a lot of uh, commentation about these teams playing this team early in the year, like Virginia Tech. See, Virginia Tech, a, a game becomes more important because you say you play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech probably ranked 12th at that time, but they go into a run. So now it's prevalent for when Alabama did it to say, well, they beat this team, they beat that team. Virginia Tech is now, Virginia Tech is now such and such. And I'm just using those teams as, mm-hmm. a, as an example. I've never seen Stanford consistently beat themselves. That's why they've ranked. You, that stat uh, you mentioned is uh, uh, makes sense. They play a NFL-style football game. You can have all the speed you want to, you, but we're not going to beat ourselves penalty-wise. We're going to pound the ball. We're going to stick to our game plan. I, here's where, outside of the numbers and outside of the lines, here's where I thought Oregon lost the game. When someone ran their mouth and said, well, we, we'll put up 40 points. We'll put up 40 points. Well, you don't have to do that. You've been put up 40 points. You don't have to say you're going to put up 40 points against Stafford, who has a pretty good defense and has a consistent defense. You don't have to say that when that's all you've been doing all year, and now you have to go out there and play that game, and you lose the game 26-20. You can only amass 20 points. Uh, and let's say your defense put up six of those points. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. And the onside kick set up the other, right. set up the other six. Uh, we got to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about if the loss last night ruined Marcus Mariota's Heisman chances and maybe his chance being a high draft pick in the NFL draft coming up. Kwame Lasser, Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, and Kwame in studio. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter in studio. We were talking about the Stanford-Oregon game last night, and Marcus Mariota was looked at as maybe the top 
in top three for Heisman voting this year so far. Very electric. You know, he's got great wheels on him. He's got a good arm. They have a, a very, very vertical, potent <laughs> offense, as we've previously mentioned. Do you think that this loss, I mean, he pretty much got stymied here. You know, I mean, his numbers were okay. His numbers were okay. Uh, 20, uh, 20 of 34 for 250 and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. For anybody in a middling team, yes, you're a starter for the rest of your life, whatever you want to be, but not in the not in the confines of Oregon Stadium, you know? Like, you need more than that from your, from your quarterback. And obviously they need more of that tonight. And in my opinion, I think he is now out of the Heisman race. Yeah, you know what? It's easy to do that because it is an eye test. Uh, he didn't look good against Stanford. And don't let us not forget that Stanford is a pretty good football team. They lost to Utah. They regrouped, and they own a nice little run to possibly play in the national championship, depending on how things go in the next t- two weeks. He played against a good defense. Uh, when, when teams lose games, you, you, we look at the quarterback and see how they lost those games, but it, most time it has nothing to do with the quarterback. Yeah. We, we talk about how... Um, the Heisman candidate of uh, Johnny Manziel, we're talking about how he's still a candidate. The reason why, not a candidate, but a winner, <clears throat> a possible winner, the reason why, he could thank his defense for that. He has the worst defense in college football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he has to do some, <clears throat> excuse me, some extraordinary, outstanding things that he, are, that he is capable of doing. He is he does have a lot of talent to do those things, and he's making it happen. Some of his throws are ill-advised. I, I don't understand why he would make that throw. He is a young kid. He, is a, he was a redshirt freshman last year, and they won the Heisman. He's a redshirt sophomore whose name is still at the top of the list. There's a lot of games. We mentioned a guy in Baylor, why he's not in the top three. Uh, we look at the um, situation with uh, Mariota. He had one bad game. So I, I don't see... Uh, but to justify anybody else winning, you could say that Tim Tebow lost three games and won the Heisman. But now you're going to say Tim Tebow played in the SEC. We're looking for a reason to give somebody something. Sure. And, and, and also on the other end of that, to not give it to a Mary Order or not have him in the conversation, not have the quarterback at Baylor in the conversation. I, I think it comes down to those guys, the intangibles as far as the impact you know you will have on the team, the the uh, the mistakes you don't make. We talk about the quarterback in Alabama, Georgia. These guys should their names should be in the mix because they win football games and they don't lose them. Yeah, and uh, Tony Manziel won the Heisman last year because he beat Alabama. I mean, mm-hmm. l- let's be let's be honest here because his his numbers were great. He had great rushing numbers, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of t- like almost Tim Tebow touchdowns, but not there yet. Uh, I think Famous Jameis is, is probably number one right now yeah. at Florida State. What he's yeah. doing there with that culture, you do not want the Seminoles to ever be good because that is a scary, scary place to play. If, you, if the Seminoles, if they play for a national championship, I'm going to tell you that Florida teams will be back because now those recruits that from Florida that may go to uh, LSU or Alabama, they're going to stay home and play football. And that's what every... A college or collegiate coach wants wants to happen. They want to keep those ta- that talented bunch of guys down there in the state. It's able to come get them out there because they wasn't relevant since Charlie Ward's uh, days. Now these guys are staying home and playing football, mm-hmm. and this is the best thing that can happen to a Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Uh, these guys with all that talent are staying home and winning football games now. Uh, so I, I think Famous James could be uh, the Heisman front runner. But then you can make the case that 
he had a touchdown and two interceptions against Miami. Well, you playing Miami. I don't care if Miami is the worst team in the college football. You playing a rival uh, of Miami football. And don't don't discount that when it's time to say, okay, well, I'm watching everything Manziel do. Last year, I agree with you. He won the Heisman because he beat Alabama. He lose that game. We don't. We're not talking about him mm-hmm. right now. Nope. Because he lost a couple of games that they could have won. So right. They could have. They could have got undefeated last year. Uh, now the question remains to me: Why is Florida State number two if they're in the ACC? Granted, yes, Miami was uh, number seven as of last week, and they got manhandled. Um, and then you have uh, Notre Dame, who, who is uh, Notre Dame is playing an ACC team this week. Um, they have less top ten teams in it, I believe, than the Big Twelve. But the Big Twelve is looked at as the weaker division. So I don't understand how that how that works out. I mean, it's all politics. People, football is better when Florida State is relevant. People is better. Football is better when Florida is relevant, as you mentioned. Miami, those were the great in the mid '90s when all those teams were good. Yeah. Early 2000s, those were the best rivalries that I've ever. Alabama, LSU is what people are. Uh, resorting to now because you don't have the real like oh man Smashville football has taken the place of the the forty one thirty eight top five teams going at it like it's I don't know you you would watch you would I mean I like was Danny I was worthful and like in the in the good time I mean I was scheduled golf so on Saturday now I, and then probably TiVo football but now it's uh, when Miami and and Florida and Florida State was relevant. And then you even have small schools like Central Florida. When when I would watch those games, I would sit there and watch those games. That was my that was uh, my Saturday mornings when we check into hotels. I go to the I go to my room, turn on the TV for to see a Saturday football, and it was Miami or it was Florida or it was Florida State. It could have been USC, it could have been one of those teams. Uh, but that's when football. That's when the, for me it was a sense of urgency to watch the games. Yeah. It was because every game was good, and that it just there's so much there's so much parity now with how good the top teams are and how bad these teams that used to be good are. It's just look at the um, look at the uh, top twenty five rankings. All those teams are good. It's just whoever has a vote, whoever's creating these rankings, and I and when I say create these rankings, obviously you have to win games and you create them for yourself. But then I'm I'm looking for a way to figure find out why you're number one or why you're not number one. Mm-hmm. Why is it this conference? This team you played, this week you're off. There are a lot of reasons to um, go into play to being number one or being in the top ten. I'm trying to figure figure out why Michigan State, who they lose to Notre Dame, I think, uh, Michigan State, why they're remember. not, they're sitting at mm, yeah, 17. 17 right now. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're, but there's a lot of other teams. South Carolina, 72, how are they above Michigan State? Because they're the SEC and not the Big Ten. There, there, there it goes right there. So I'm finding a way to keep you out or I'm finding a way to put you in. And I think that's that does a disservice to the rest of these kids. Because we used to, I used to talk this, I used to drive it in the ground with um, with um, Boise State. These guys, you know, you ask me to recruit these guys and tell them you're going to have a chance to do this and do that. And then it became relevant when you did have a chance to do this, but then you set us back and said, well, you played in this conference and this is the SEC. But then you put this Boise, a team like Boise State into a, a bowl game against the so-called powerhouse team, and they always win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was confusing to me. They were, they were preseason ranked, I think, three and five in respective years with Kellen Moore's junior and senior mm-hmm. year. When they had Titus Young and they had, uh, they yep. had Doug Martin was there, I believe, when he was, when he was younger. 
and they won every game. Last game of the year, they missed a field goal twice, two years in a row, <laughs> yes. and they lose one game and they finish ninth and they win a bowl game. Right. If that would have been the total mind screw of the BCS, if they would have gone 12 or 13 and 0 as the number three team in the country and you have two one loss teams ahead of them, who, who makes the national championship? I wish. I remember they it was a triple overtime game. game the first time, and they, they missed a field goal at the end, which was awful. Well, I, you remember, it was, I don't know if it was yet last year or the year before when uh, Miami lost. And no, I'm sorry, Alabama lost. A week later, they were back at number one. Yeah, because Oregon Oregon lost that same week to Stanford, and somebody else lost that shouldn't have. Well, you lost. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have stayed in the top three. They was, I think they stayed in the top four. They were in the top four, but... That was just to get them back into that game. So ridiculous. But, you know, that's, that's what we live in now. You know, that's, that's how it's going to be, and we just got to deal with it, and hopefully some team will finish undefeated and make the BCS. This is the last BCS year before the playoffs. Isn't Let, the let's make it controversial. Isn't the, play, yeah. Isn't the playoffs um, a group of guys choosing which team go to that playoff? I, think, I, I, don't think it's go, I don't think it's going by the rankings anymore I think it's, well this team looks good let's put this team against that team I think I think there's more into it but I think the, I hope it is I, I think the rankings still still hold pretty good weight but we'll be see I mean kind of Lisa Rice is in there and you have uh, I think I Robert, I think I, I think Robert Kraft well we can talk about that um, I, I think Robert Kraft is in there yeah. I think there, there's a couple guys couple owners of the NFL um, I don't know how you formulate that crew um, I have no problem with Condoleezza be Rice being on there. Just, that's for me. I don't care. If Woman, man, there? doesn't matter. I, yeah. yeah, you know she is. I, she's held pretty f- high positions here, so you yeah. know what? As long as she's fair, and her, some of her high positions, by she's a robot. But some of those high positions, as long as she's fair, I, I don't care who's in it. Yeah, no, same. And I, and there were a lot of people that did have issues with it. So it, it well, you know, a lot of people were having that's issues be brought up to the over Masters. and over again. She's a member at the Masters. Yeah. Yeah, so, Agassi, yeah, yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll see what this is all about. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to move over to the NBA. Finally, first time of the year. Uh, interesting games last night. You know, a lot of things happened that could tell the tale for the rest of the year. Uh, first, we'll start with the Heat Clippers. One hundred two ninety seven Heat win at home. The numbers were great for the Clippers. You know, Blake Griffin twenty seven and fourteen. Chris Paul. 10, 10 points, 12 assists. He's had over 10 assists every game this year so far. Those Reg- are numbers I like to see for Griffin. Yeah, but Reggie Miller said something really interesting on the, on the broadcast last night. He's like, yeah, okay, so he had these numbers, but did he really have an impact on the game? And my answer to that was no, and his rhetorical question had the, rhetor- had the answer of no. He, him and Dwight Howard are very similar. They put up very good numbers, but you can't rely on them. They don't do one thing well besides dunk and rebound. Mm-hmm. They can't shoot free throws. They can't hit a 15-footer to save their life. And they, they can't lead a team. So it, it, it's interesting with the Clippers because how long are you going to hold on to this guy? You can trade for somebody that actually can win you a championship. I don't think that Blake Griffin is the guy in Clipperland, in Lob City, that... You know, a, a layup is the same as a dunk. Yeah, maybe you might make the highlight reel more times okay. than anybody else, but you're not going to win championships for making the highlight reel. No, I, I like to see a guy who can put those numbers up but do have an impact, and, and um, you make a good state comment about that that uh, Miller makes also. If you're going to put those numbers up, you, you need to find a way to win some game, win games with those numbers. Uh, when, when Chris Paul is the guy... But I think when you have a, a cohesive team, when you have a team with that much talent, 
And when you look around the league, you can say that team's Indiana. But when you have a team like the uh, Clippers with that much talent, those type of numbers have to win, translate to wins uh, with everyone that's around you. Because any one of those guys, Chris Paul could have put those numbers up. And I think when he's in control, they used to win those games. But if Blake, Blake Griffin put those numbers up, it's like a pickup game. Yeah, and, and that's what it, that's a lot of times what it is. It's, it's, it's a lot of fast break stuff. When he's down low, he always needs to repost once, it seems like. He always needs to kick the ball out and re, reposition himself because he's, when it comes down to it, he's scared to do a turn, to, to fake one way and do a fadeaway jumper because he's probably going to airball it. Like, that's what is in his mind because he doesn't have that skill set. And we do have to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Lakers, Houston, talk about Dwight Howard, and we'll talk about what really is a dynasty, in my opinion. We've talked about this before, but I'd like to touch on it one more time with some numbers behind it. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back in a minute. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves on the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director, Mark Johnson. Now we're a wolf pack with uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. I'm not going to do it. Uh, welcome back to Kwame Lasser Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasser in studio. So our last segment. Remember, we are going to four days a week. Starting this was our first week, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 10 a.m. in Phoenix, 9 a.m. on the West Coast. So make sure to check us out. And I apologize for uh, people couldn't hear my sexy voice. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin, for <laughs> he, playing it. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> lo- he looked at me and I was like, I'm not doing it. He, you don't have a sexy voice. You gotta have a sexy voice. Call me. I was it was born this way. Um, <laughs> Lakers 99-98 over the Rockets. The Rockets were a 14 point favorite in this game at home. And I watched this game. You know, they were playing. The, okay, I, they, they, everybody, this. Go basketball. Um, Stanford, Oregon, 
uh, who was that? Minnesota, Washington. There was a lot of games on. Yeah, that had to go back and just trying to figure out what's going on with the games. Yeah, it was good. That's why you have an iPad, a phone, and a TV. Yeah, that's why I got a headache <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, Lakers win by one. Uh, they played like a team, you know, and I, people, if anybody that's listening has listened before, they know, know that I'm a big-time Laker fan. I'm not a diehard Laker fan because diehard means ignorance, in my opinion. Die- okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> Championship. So uh, um, they played okay. They put Chris Kamen in the starting lineup to allow Pau Gasol to play the four, which I have been saying since the beginning of the season. It, it, it's more of a wear and tear thing for Chris Kamen because he is prone to injury. But I feel if they keep him to 28 to 30 minutes a game, then he should be able to withstand. Uh, Steve Nash looked good. He, he, he looked healthy for the first time this year. Uh, you know, he didn't play as many minutes. Jordan Farmer is starting. You know, Jordan Farmer went overseas to play for a year or two, I believe. Came back. He looks like a more polished player now. I think he got. His behind beat over there, and it made him learn how to really play basketball, which is very interesting. Well, he sat on the bench for the Lakers a whole lot. They didn't come in until it was over, or the Lakers had a big lead. Yeah, and but he did. He, he pretty much made himself into a three point shooter when he came out of college from UCLA as a point guard. So that, it, that was really always kind of confusing to me. But he's learned how to kind of play the uh, play the point guard role now. Had seven assists last night. Their bench is carrying them through these games. Okay, so that's the upside. The downside is they're not a good team. The Lakers right now, they're not. Uh, if they finish, if they're 500 or close to it when Kobe comes back around Christmas, I feel like they can still make the playoffs. If Kobe doesn't uh, destruct this team by his Kobe ways, if he can learn how to play as an elder statesman of the league now and not as the 24 year old young buck that he used to be, maybe they'll make some make some noise in the playoffs. I don't see it, but the Western Conference is is a it's muddled this year through six games. I know it's not even 10 percent of the way through the season, but. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I, I think you'll be looking at another that eighth seed if they can stay at, if they can stay at five hundred, and Kobe comes in and and works himself into that Achilles tendon that he tore, which is, you know, you have to run, explode, is all fast twitch, jump. Uh, Corey, uh, Kobe, he's he's a, he's a consummate pro. He's a professional guy. He's going to know how to uh, tone his game up or tone it down depending on the situation, but. I don't want him to come in and say, give me the ball, I'm here now, I'm back. Because these guys, by that time, these guys going to have a a unit uh, that's been playing well. They're sitting 3-3 three and three right now. You thought they would be 1-5. Yeah, 1-5, 2-4. Yeah, they're sitting 3-3. Three and three, and They went on road and beat the Houston Rockets, which was huge. And I watched their game, and I thought they was going to look for a way to lose. But they came back. They had to leave uh, with uh, two minutes left. Uh, which he came comes down, hit a three pointer, hits, hits the shot, put him back in the lead, and I thought, okay, let me see what the Lakers gonna do. How are they gonna bounce back for this? And pulling out that game, uh, take huge strides in where their team and the direction that team was trying to go. Uh, but then you getting Kobe back uh, at some point. But I thought Steve Blake came in and hit a huge shot. Yeah, no, it was great, and, and he's he's had clutch tendencies in the past, but. Uh, more times than not, he's very, very inconsistent. So hopefully he's worked yeah. on his shot. They started him and Steve Nash in the backcourt, which is a very, yeah. very small backcourt, and Nick Young started the three. So Jody Meeks, um, who was the other guy? Uh, Xavier Henry's playing well. Wesley Johnson. Wesley Johnson, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they have a lot of young talent. These are all expiring contracts. So, you know, if you can make some noise this year, maybe sign one or two of these guys and get rid of everybody else, they'll be ready for free agency next summer. Um, that being said, so well, are you looking for the Lakers to blow the team up and then rebuild? Well, well, they have to always rebuild, but the, the Lakers' time to rebuild is much shorter than a lot of other right. uh, franchises. It's a two-year disappointment. Like, huge, and the disappointment is being the eighth seed. 
It's not missing perhaps, the playoffs. Perhaps. You know, and and uh, having said all that, Dwight Howard, who left the Lakers because I feel like the stars were too bright in Los Angeles, and I do believe that it is the best thing for the Lakers franchise that he did leave. Uh, had 15 and 14 last night. You know, good numbers. Had a block. 5 for 10 from the field. 5 for 16 from the free throw line. This is something that will plague him forever. His hands are too big. I mean, it's like the Shaq thing. It's like you're throwing. It. It's like you're trying to throw a golf ball or a tennis ball into a basket. <laughs> and uh, I am very intrigued to have watched that game from an outsider's perspective. Now he's in a smaller market on yeah. on, on the big stage. He's not making his free throws. He's not. He doesn't have the low post game that he does when it's in the depths of the season and it's only on the. It's only the game's only on TV in Houston. Well, you know, he, when the big lights come out, he shies away. Yeah. Well, he's going on. He doesn't. To be that big, um, you know, I thought he. Let me go back to the beginning of this. I thought he should have stayed in Orlando and, and become a dominant force there and have guys come out there. Neither here nor there now, but you come to the Lakers, uh, you did have. He does have back problems. He had back surgery. I cannot discount that. Sure. But to be that big of a guy and not want the basketball, it tells me a lot about you. You got to want the basketball. And if you don't get it and your team is winning, you got to find a way to implement yourself in there. So when they foul and hit this guy and he's at the free throw line, you got to make those shots. Yeah, no, it's true. And and that was his major gripe about the Lakers last year was he didn't get the ball enough. So, you know, you never you're not going to make this guy happy. You got to want the ball. Yeah, and Houston needed to do something to get a chance to have a chance to win to keep James Harden there. Uh, so, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens and you know, I really don't care what happens to Dwight Howard cuz I don't think he's going to win anything. At, at- Dwight Howard cannot mess up that Houston team because they're probably one guy away from being to being relevant as far as this this is where the championship gonna come out yeah, of Houston. Yeah, but then but then he'll complain about something <laughs> else. That's what I don't want him to do, because that's what I'm you look at him and he'll say, Well, I know I'm averaging fifteen rebounds and fifteen points or seventeen points. Fifteen percent from the free throw line. Right. But I want twenty points. I want twenty points. And then he's gonna mess up the whole team because uh Harden can do it. Hard can put up the numbers, mm-hmm. and you can look at that team and say, "Well, this is like the the Clippers, Chris Paul, and those guys." The same, look like the same team. But if he if he can not be a disruption, I think that team will be okay once they get one more player that makes a difference. Yeah, because that that's the thing. Now you need three guys. Okay, so uh, that's the NBA talk. We'll talk more on on Monday about that. Uh, I do want to leave you with these numbers when we were talking about dynasties. The Lakers have missed the playoffs five times. Since the 1948-49 season where they opened up in Minneapolis. Five times they've missed the playoff in 65 seasons, okay? The Bulls have made the playoffs only 32 times in 47 seasons. So they've missed it 15 times in 20 less years than the Lakers have. The surprising one to me, the Spurs have made the playoffs 41 of 46 seasons. And that, if that's not a dynasty, I don't know what is. They did start in the ABA, but that if that's not... Uh, relevancy from the beginning to the end. And the final one, the Celtics have made the playoffs only 51 times in 67 seasons. They have the most championships because they won 12 in a row, and that was that was their time then. But they have really big gaps, like the Bulls do, mm-hmm. in in relevancy and in the ability to put a good product on the court. So, I mean, it really depends on your definition of dynasty, but I thought that number, especially for San Antonio, was really, really interesting 
I think all those teams are dynasty real quick. I know we run out of time. I think all those teams are dynasty. It depends on who you are and what team you like and what era you was you watched them in. Uh, but you can go back. If you're really a historian, you can go back and see the numbers and say, yeah, this team's a dynasty, that team's a dynasty. Um, but I like this team. Well, it, it depends on franchise. If your franchise is a dynasty, if you, if you uh, uh, define it as that, or if you define an era of like the Jordan era, was a dynasty. It, it's one or the other. Either yeah. you you uh, you can't have both in your in your thought process. Right. Uh, Kwame, that's our sports talk. We got to go. Uh, we'll see you guys Monday morning, ten a.m. Arizona time, twelve o'clock Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Kwame Lasseter sports talk. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.